Medtronic Technologies impacted more than 72 million people in the last year, equating to two people every second. Harnessing the power of technology to take healthcare further, each technology has unique benefits designed to serve patients. The goal of this program is to get closer to the patient and delve into the challenges and impact of each technology in practice. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. The McGrath Mac video laryngoscope and McGrath Mac disposable laryngoscope blades are intended to be used by trained and licensed individuals to gain a view of the vocal cords during medical procedures. Medtronic's medical education programs are offered to provide attendees education on the FDA-cleared indications and use of our products when applicable. The contents and conclusions of the following program are solely those of the speakers unless otherwise cited. The speakers are responsible for all content and necessary permissions. The speakers received funding from Covidian LP, a Medtronic company, for this speaking engagement. For this segment of the series, a discussion on safe airway management, how do we decide what laryngoscope to choose? To help provide insight into this topic is Dr. Felipe Ordinera, academic anesthesiologist at both UF Health and Gainesville VA Medical Center. So what do we do now, nowadays? Everybody, basically, when we decide to choose one laryngoscopy, and there are many questions like I bring up in, in the, that you're seeing there, um, but basically you have subjective base, you have your own biases, your own opinions, et cetera, et cetera, but you also have evidence-based. I wanna give you my bias from the get-go so we get it out of the way right now. My bias is that indirect laryngoscopy, or if you wanna to prefer to call it video laryngoscopy, is better for overall performance is better for me as an educational tool because not only am I able to see what my student or trainee sees and that is tremendously helpful and, and everybody else in the room for that matter. And also because I consider that video has dual capability that the other technology does not afford you. In other words, you can use video as direct and direct, uh, but you cannot use direct as video or indirect. But the video laryngoscopy, especially if you use a, a traditional curvature device, you can use it for direct as well, which is tremendously helpful when you're dealing with a soiled airway or with a bleeding airway or something like that. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that you're not here to get to hear my assumptions. You want a little bit more concrete. So why don't we dive in and basically look under the microscope a little bit of the evidence regarding video laryngoscopy. So if you look at it, in the past two or three decades, we've made tremendous improvements in terms of airway management. It's been a, a tremendous in terms of, of growth and, and, and advancement. Um, this is a study that was uh, published in 2018 in anesthesiology in which they looked about how um, since the inception and the use of video laryngoscopy things change. And if you can see about it, we went from 6.6% incidence of difficulty per 1,000 patients to 1.6. So that's roughly four times a decrease in difficult intubations and failed the same thing from 0.2 to 0.006. So that's actually a tremendous, about fourfold decrease in the incidence of, of difficulty. Now, since then as well, um, despite the fact that we were, we had tremendous other modalities for rescue of failed intubation, video laryngoscopy has become kind of the primary rescue device that we use. Video laryngoscopy is being used in 69% of uh, all rescue failed intubation, and it has a success rate of 92%.
92% success rate for fail, rescue for failed intubation. That is a tremendous achievement. To give you an idea and to put it in perspective, especially if you're a soccer fan, um, not even Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi, roughly, or you can make an argument, the best two soccer players in the world have that percentage of penalty score kicking success. So they even have less than that. So 92% is tremendous. And what do we know about um, the evidence of which? Most of it comes from review and meta-analysis, comparing it to the direct uh, option. And this is basically, there have been eight meta-analysis so far with over 23,000 patients, and they all show superiority uh, of indirect over direct, and not just in adults like this meta-analysis, but also in pediatrics. For those of you that practice pediatrics, I don't, I, I do not do pediatrics at the moment, is that you have a greater increase in first pass success, uh, less chances of complications, and less chance of uh, accidental esophageal intubation when you use it in uh, very small individuals. So it's not just adults, which have been the main target of, of our studies, but also in pediatrics as well. So I think roughly what we learned, and we learned in the 2000, in the era 2000, is the fact that you had basically in a simple matrix, you had great benefit and very low risk with the use of this um, technology of indirect laryngoscopy. Now, since then, there's a lot more water under the bridge and also something else has happened. We already alluded it to once and we cannot avoid or escape talking about it and it's COVID. Think about how intubation in the COVID era has actually changed as well. Um, this is a study that was one of the few prospective studies that have been done uh, since we're in the midst of this uh, COVID crisis. And it shows that basically DL, if you compare the use of direct laryngoscopy to video laryngoscopy has changed tremendously. Video laryngoscopy is the number one device that has been recommended in all the guidelines that have been published for the treatment of uh, COVID patients and not only recommended, but also addressed and studied. And it basically in this study, it was using 91% of patients, 91.3, and it had a success rate of 88%. So to conclude here, this bird's eye view of the, of the evidence of video compared to direct, my final opinion and the way I think about it is this. My think, I think indirect is the big muscle guy and direct is the small muscle guy. Not that there's anything wrong with the small muscle guy or that I have, I'm disparaging it because I think direct is the precursor of to which basically we've gone a step further within direct. And now let's take a, a little bit of a, of a different approach and more, not, not so much in particular cases or populations, but more macro view around the world, kind of a, if we wear our virtual reality glasses. Um, one of the most important studies that have been published was published recently and is in JAMA. Uh, and recently is called the Intuba study, which basically included 29 countries five continents and 197 institutions. And they looked about the incidence or the type of intubation that was taking place between DL and VL. And you will think that after all I've told you, all the advantages and, and accolades that I said about the DL, VL was being used a lot in the world. But the reality is different. DL is being used more often, 81 to 17%. So 
kind of by basically this contradicts everything that I was saying that video learning golf twist is such a hot thing. It's not being used even for the most critical patients. And this was basically data that, like I said, was published this year. And we need to clarify a little bit about that. See, if you go about shopping for a video laryngoscope, which one do you get? Portable, you get one with a tower, et cetera, et cetera. And the point of fact is, at this point in time, we do not have robust or really meaningful comparative literature to really assess which one is better. There's a lot of uh, talk about it, but very few evidence, so to speak. We have to actually say that in 2021, we classify video laryngoscopes or indirect laryngoscopes, if you prefer that term, into Macintosh blade devices. And we have in North America, three main uh, devices, which are the CMAC, the McGrath Mac, and the Glasgow Direct. We have the acute angle devices in which you have the CMAC and the D-blade of the McGrath. Um, uh, excuse me, the D-blade of the, of the McGrath. The, uh, of the CMAC, I'm sorry, the McGrath X-Blade and the Glidescope. And third is basically the channel or guided devices in which you basically have the Kingvision, the Pentax, or the AirTrack. And which one do you use? Which one do you pick to, to use more often or routine or for rescue, whatever? And I think that we do not have kind of uh, robust literature. I can tell you I've used them all. And what I'm going to base what I say next is based on my own experience and as biased as can be, and I, and I realize that. But what are the advantages? Well, if you have kind of the industry leader right now, which happens to be this beautiful Glyscope tower, um, this, this is tremendous, it has a larger high definition screen. You have the capability of using Mac or that's normal angulated blades, as well as hyperangulated blades. You can use reusable and disposable. But you may also choose a smaller screen, for example, with the McGrath, that basically is more portable. Um, you can use a Mac or regular curvature or a hyperangulated blade. And it also comes in disposable uh, equipment. So that's actually very important. But you may also choose the guided channel, uh, the guided device, which has a smaller screen as well. It's portable, is guided, and is also disposable. And the truth of the matter is that if you look at the evidence, uh, the results are completely dependent, depending on three factors that you need to take into account. And when you read something, specifically when they compare devices, you have to put your critical glasses on because it all depends on who's performing the intubation, on what type of patient, and it may not even be a patient, it may be a mannequin. So that's something to consider. And it, they all have different goals. In fact, if you look at our literature, the reality is that most of our literature has different uh, research endpoints. Some of them talk about the, the number of attempts, some of the about duration, some of them about the different degree of view, some of the, the amount of force that is needed, some of the, the need for adjuncts or, or not. And I think at this time, what I can tell you, in my opinion, is the fact that we can say that Video laryngoscopy improves glottic visualization, but there's still some question mark whether tube placement is actually improved or the time for tube placement is improved. But again, this is a tremendous generalization that I'm doing. My bias is after using them all is that regular curvature, that is Macintosh style devices have a tremendous advantage over hyperangulated devices. 
I've yet to see the trauma that I have seen with hyperangulated devices, and we have not need, knock on wood, to bring any patient for surgical repair of a palate or something when we use regular style Macintosh devices. Well, we have done it all, a lot for uh, hyperangulated devices. Now, there's another important thing, and in, in, in the introduction, it was alluded to that we deal with the out of the OR airway emergencies, and that's what the uh, nomenclature, the, the, that um, thing was actually, the URAM uh, thing was saying, uh, is the fact that we need to have portable devices because we do not stay in one floor and things can happen all over, especially nowadays with COVID rampant, is we need to have devices that are easy to be portable. So to me, anything that's portable and is regular curvature has major advantages. That doesn't mean that I don't think that hyperangulated have a role, but I think when we settle things down and in the future, we will know which patients need hyper um, angulated blades and which we can use uh, normal angulated blades. Now, in terms of COVID, which is basically dominating the picture, at least in, in my neck of the woods, once again, is dominating the picture. Think about the contamination of the equipment after its use. So what it will be easier to decontaminate a small portable device that has no cables and only one small screen, or that humongous apparatus with full cables and crevices and wheels, et cetera, et cetera. There is no question about it. And yet, why then are we still having the intubate study information? Why are still 81% of intubations for critical patients around the world are being done still mostly with direct laryngoscopy? Please tune in next week for a new segment from this series wherever you find your podcast. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. Thank you for listening.